When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. All right, welcome into Purple Daily, New Year's Day edition, part two. Matthew Collar along with Judd Zolgad via FaceTime. Uh, Judd is riding a, a cloud after watching the Gophers play football today and beating Auburn. What a day it is here on New Year's Day. A great way for the Gophers to start 2020, Judd. Oh, outstanding. And not to mention, Matthew Collar, that during the course of that game, I got the press release in my Gmail inbox that the Wild is going to host the 2021 Winter Classic at Target Field. How about this that? This day could not be going any better. We finally, I finally got the outdoor hockey game I wanted, not one of those godforsaken Coors Light games. Well, the only problem, Judd, is that 2020 has now started off well for you, so it is only downhill from here, <laughs> would be my guess. Fair uh, enough. Here's, here's what we want to do on this uh, podcast-only episode of Purple Daily. Let's talk about the path to winning. I feel like, Judd, this would be one of those VHSs that NFL Films used to do, you know, the path to winning, that sort of thing. Uh, and that's how I want to look at this, is everyone, even Vikings fans, are talking about how the Vikings are going to go to New Orleans and they're going to get run out of the building. But recent history for six seeds does tell you you have a chance to win the first game. It does not tell you you have a chance to go much farther than that. Um, and probably because two road games back to back and the exhaustion and physicality of the first one on the road is pretty tough to uh, to match that intensity again in the second week. But as far as the first week, you definitely have a shot to win. And even if you are an underdog by a touchdown or more, still it is the NFL. In the worst you can be, this is coming from someone who covered the Buffalo and Minnesota game at U.S. Bank Stadium. The worst you can be in terms of a percentage chance to win is probably like 40%. Miami just beat the New, uh, the, the New England Patriots in a game where the Patriots were actually trying. So I just cannot stand to hear, oh, no, they're going to get killed and everything else. This is the, 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 the highest level. This is not college football where you can watch the bowl game and whoever has – uh, the most talent will ultimately win. So I, I want to start it off by throwing this out there because it's very obvious for the path to winning. I believe that it starts with Delvin Cook in the backfield. And I believe also, Judd, that it starts with Delvin Cook in the backfield in the first drive of the game. Not just with Delvin Cook, but the very first drive of the game and whether they can get Delvin Cook going, get Delvin Cook involved in the passing game and the short passing game, get six, seven yard runs from Delvin Cook to set up second and threes, second and four, second and fives, things like that. And if they can show New Orleans, look, 
Delvin looks freaking great, and you better pay attention to that with your defensive linemen. That's going to be a problem. Mike Zimmer pointed out that the Green Bay Packers did not seem to care if the Vikings ran, and the Vikings never made him pay for that. And where it really shows up is when you start running games up front with your defensive linemen, you start running twists and stunts and things like that, where you have one defensive end going behind a tackle is the best way, that they're sort of crossing each other. Well, if you try to do that on run plays, that can really turn into a bad situation for you. And uh, the same thing goes for putting two safeties deep that Stephon Diggs said today. If you put two safeties deep against Delvin Cook, you're probably going to pay for it. So I I think that it not only begins with Delvin Cook being good at football and looking at least some percentage healthy. I think it starts with right off the bat. You have to prove to the Saints you better pay attention on this day to our running back. That is where I believe that the path to winning begins, Mr. Zolgad. All right, I will play off that that one exactly and say I agree with you. And and if Delvin Cook uh, can start the game and they and the Saints say, "Oh my God, this is the Delvin Cook of the Dallas game. We need to we need to respect this player," which they would at that point. I'm going to give you if that's if that is uh, offensive point one A. Here's my one B. Because I'm not buying that this guy has been healthy now for weeks and he's been playing for a few, Adam Thielen. Because if what you're saying is true, and let's say Cook comes out there and he can run and he looks great and he can catch, and now the Saints are saying, okay, adjustments have to be made and we have to respect the run game and Delvin, and they do that, and guess what? Diggs and Thielen are both playing well and healthy and are threats. Kirk Cousins all of a sudden now has options. And, and yes, the offensive line has to do their part, and they certainly struggled against the Packers at times. But if they do their part, and Cousins has these options, which is Delvin Cook is a threat, Diggs is a continued threat, and now Thielen as well, I think all of this plays into the Vikings offense going from probably the past few weeks being, what, Matthew, at best okay, at best, to being potentially dynamic. If So if Diggs, or I'm sorry, if Thielen and Dalvin Cook are healthy, I think that changes the dynamic enormously. And now the Saints have to make adjustments that they probably don't want to make and that are going to test them both against the run and the pass. The reality of the Vikings offense, Judd, is that it's been mediocre since October. In November and December, even in games that they won, even in games that they had good point totals, a lot of times it was the defense that was helping them out. Now, I know some people seem to want to tell you that the defense is bad this year, uh, but they're fifth in points in part because they've made plays to get turnovers, like against Green Bay, to give the Vikings offense a shot, which they never took advantage of, like seven turnovers in Los Angeles, like creating points with an Anthony Harris interception in Seattle. And, uh, you know, you know that, that sort of has masked some of the issues that the offense has had. And it's, I believe uh, I had the stat in an article the other day that they're 25th in terms of yards per play over the last two months, which is really concerning. And the thing that you would think would turn that around is having two receivers that can go deep. Now against Green Bay, maybe things are ultimately different if Adam Thielen grabs a pass that he usually grabs. I mean, he said that that's one that kept him up at night. And after I went back and looked at it, I know he was going down and he probably got bumped there and usually that might be interference, but it also fell into his hands and he wasn't able to hang on to it. If he is in better shape now after taking last week off, 
and he can make those types of catches, he will get opportunities because you can't, as a defense, stop all the things that the Vikings can do when they're at their best. But I would also say this, Judd, if Adam Thielen leaves that game or Stephon Diggs leaves that game with three catches for 20 yards or something in that ballpark, that's okay if you throw the ball to Kyle Rudolph, if you throw the ball to Irv Smith, if you if you distribute the ball on offense to a bunch of different weapons, there, there are some very good defensive players on the Saints' side, but when Cousins is distributing the ball to everybody and he's taking what the defense gives him and getting rid of the ball quickly to Irv Smith and quickly to Kyle Rudolph, that's where the offense can be really dynamic and can put up a bunch of points. I, the, I walked away from that game against Green Bay thinking, you know, there were different things they could have schemed up, but throw the ball to Kyle Rudolph when you have a chance, and if Kirk Cousins does that, so that is sort of an aside off of the Thielen point. If he does that and works it to all of his weapons, then they have a great chance to put up a bunch of points. My next one, Judd, is somehow slow down Cameron Jordan. That if they can slow down Cameron Jordan, he is such an impact player in both the run and the pass. It, and Brian O'Neill one-on-one with Brian Jordan I like what O'Neal has done this year, but I don't like him one-on-one against against Cameron Jordan. He is so powerful, and he's so savvy and strong and quick and all those things. And Sean Payton said today on his conference call that when it's the 56th play of the game, Cameron Jordan is still bringing the same level of power and intensity that he is on the seventh play of the game, and that's exactly what you see on tape. I mean, the guy is an elite game wrecker, but what is unique about him, and this is where I'm really curious to see what Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator of the Saints, does. Jordan doesn't move around. There are guys who move around a lot, and Zadarius Smith, as we know, is one of them, but Jordan kind of sticks to his side. And if he's going to try to use speed rushing around Brian O'Neill, that probably won't work. So he's probably going to go with a lot of power rushes, a lot of bull rushes to try and just push Brian O'Neill back into the quarterback and how they deal with that. If they have to use Delvin Cook to slow him down by chipping or they have to use Kyle Rudolph to slow him down by putting the tight end on that side of the field every time, that, Judd, is going to make things very difficult for the Vikings offense to fully function. It does, but that is the potentially smart play, correct? Because you've got to, you've got to. If you don't contain him, he's going to be in Kirk's face, and we we have seen how, how that goes. Now you could roll Kirk out and attempt to do that, but I'm just thinking that if you don't stop him, and Kirk sees him all the time, and then Kirk starts to act like Kirk can or can act, that gets to be a problem. Oh, absolutely, and that's why I think. What the Saints will do is they'll try to run their pressures in in blitzing someone like Demario Davis, who has quite a few pressures from that linebacker position. If they try to blitz him off the left side and force Kirk to think about moving himself to the right side, then it goes right into Cameron Jordan pushing the tackle back, which which I think will happen. Brian O'Neill is a very good player, and when a guy goes more than a year without allowing a sack, you've got to be impressed but he still is not one of the more powerful players at the position, and this is a mismatch for him in some ways. So if you're focused on kind of forcing Kirk to roll into that spot or if you're blitzing people off that spot so he can't roll to his left where he's been so effective and now every other team knows it, um, that could that could be problematic. But if you slow him down, everything else falls into place. If Brian O'Neill has a great day, then 
my gosh, I mean, you you can do a lot of things. You can run that direction. You can roll that direction. Uh, you can, uh, you know, force them to blitz where Kirk Cousins is generally very, very good against the blitz. I think he is one of those players that is absolutely key that you limit him. You're not going to completely shut him down. But if he only impacts four or five plays in a game, well, then you've got a lot of different times to, to step up and, and create big plays. But if he's back there all day like Zadarius Smith was, you're in a heap of trouble. All right, my next one, and I am going to go into the minutia of football as one could possibly football. go on this podcast right now. Say it, football. Football. I'm going to invoke the name of one Carl Sheffers. That would be the referee for Sunday's game. Oh, wow. Right? I was like, wait, who is that? Carl Sheppers is going to be, he has been assigned with with what is not yet considered to be an all-star crew, but it is a mixed crew of what are considered to be the top regular season officials, okay? But here's why I think Carl Sheppers plays a, a potentially important role in this game. His crew, that, that so he and the officials that he worked with in the 2019 regular season were tied for seventh in the league out of 17 officials in penalties called 234, all right? But here's the important stat. They were tied, and and remember, there's 17 crews here. Sheffers and his people were tied for 12 in pass interference flags with 24 called and 19 accepted. In other words, what we might have is a referee who is not flag-happy when it comes to seeing um, opposing receivers interfered with. In other words, we might have a situation where Zim can tell his guys, hey, this guy's crew and this guy at least have a tendency, we think, not to call PIs as much as some guys who, of course, are dying to call them. And therefore, if we get a little handsy with Michael Thomas, especially early on to test things out, it might be worth trying because this guy, I, I go back to how are you going to stop him and Breeze? But if I can get some help by grabbing a belt once in a while or grabbing a finger or grabbing an arm, I'm going to do it. So I find it, I find it intriguing that Sheffers is not one of these guys who loves to throw the flags and loves to get got, you know, I saw a little contact there. So I'm going as football as you can get and saying, if I'm Zim, I'm looking at this as a potentially friendly factor in the Superdome. Yeah. And what's interesting about that too is, and, and Chad Graff and I talked about this on the other new year's day episode with Xavier Rhodes matching up with Michael Thomas. We're assuming that that's going to be the matchup, but if they play sides and they don't, have Xavier Rhodes follow Michael Thomas around well one he lines up in the slot a good amount so he's not going to match up with uh, you know even Trey Waynes that much but we might see the Saints say you know what Michael Thomas is at his absolute best when he's making plays with the ball in the air and that's where Trey Wayans is not that great and Trey Wayans is, does not have a tendency though to get his head around usually because of his pure athleticism he is right there with every receiver. So if they're going to allow a little bit more pushing and shoving, that does give the Vikings a shade more of a chance to slow down Michael Thomas. And Thomas is really the whole Saints offense aside from Elvin Kamara and Jared Cook. Like they, Those three guys are targeted, I don't know what it is, probably 80% of the time from Drew Brees. And it makes sense. Throw to your three best players over and over and over and over again. But if you have even the slightest advantage from the referees and what you can do to Michael Thomas, that probably is a, a little bit of an advantage. And I'm, just, I'm just saying, you might want to get handsy. 
see what you can do. Yep, that's what you always say, Judd. You might want to get handsy. Oh, you always... that's not in football. I'm, I'm sorry, Matthew. That's not in football. Oh, okay. I guess I guess I misunderstood because I'm always thinking about football. Um, so uh, is there anything else that you wanted to say about the refs other than just, you know, this should be interesting? If they're not calling interferences, does that mean we get a lot of holdings? Because the Vikings have been called for quite a few holding penalties this year. Uh, Trevor's crew, actually, I looked this up as, as well because, of course, in 2020, you can find any stat that, that you want. They rank pretty much in the middle of the league, not too high in penalties called. So it looks like unless he gets a guy on this crew who just loves to throw the hanky, it looks like we're not going to, and of course, I say this, it might be proven wrong, but I don't think we're going to see a ton of flags. The other weird thing is, and I don't know why, and I might be wrong here, it doesn't feel to me like the Saints get a ton of calls. I mean, we certainly saw that in the um, NFC title game last year, the Superdome against the Rams. But there have been other times, too. So I would I would just be testing that out because this is going to be a tough place to play. It's going to be incredibly loud. And I'm looking for every advantage I can get to slow this team down. And if I'm not going to get flags thrown early, at least, I think I'm going to I'm at least going to push my luck there. Well, okay, so that goes for my last one for the path to victory, which is it's a two-parter. Number one is Mike Zimmer tells the Wilfs via his performance with Scheme, you're really going to miss this, and dials up some pretty darn good ways to bother Drew Brees, whether it's with disguising coverages or disguising pressures. Last year, I'll give you an example uh, they were in the red zone. New Orleans was with the ball against the Vikings, and they had a chance to score. I forget where they were, somewhere like around the 20-yard line. And it was third down, and Zimmer dials up a pretty simple blitz, but it totally fooled the Saints, and they end up having two guys blocking Ben Gideon. Two guys on Ben Gideon, no guys on Stephen Weatherly. Weatherly just goes right at the quarterback, totally free. Drew Brees ends up throwing it away, but he gets a penalty for uh, intentional grounding, and it moves the Saints back, and they have to kick a field goal. Things like that, finding ways to show different fronts or different personnel, whatever way they can, to scheme that will prove that Zimmer's defense can even travel on the road in a dome and give problems to a very, very good football team and one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. That's part one, and an out-scheme an out Sean Payton, which I think he is capable of. Part two is, let's just say, otherworldly things that happen, that the path to victory probably includes something from the gods something from spirits and you know, you know the crazy you mean a call? football things that happen that you would never expect just because this is this is how this matchup has worked like the, the all the crazy creepy spooky weird things that go on when the new orleans saints play in the postseason and especially when they play the vikings something will happen in this game i don't know what it is but it will be nuts, and we'll remember it forever, and the path to victory is having it go the Vikings' way because if it doesn't, then you're going to end up with the oppo miracle, and we're going to be talking about whatever meltdown or whatever creepy, crazy thing happened going against the Vikings. But I, I think in order to beat a team that is better than you in their building, you need something like that, like call back the woman who had the crystal ball for Mike Zimmer or sent Mike Zimmer a crystal ball in 2017. Something weird will have to go Minnesota's way. 
Well, I will say this is my last thing. I had, so I have, up until last night, I've been saying Saints are going to drill the Vikings. I see no hope here. And then I thought to myself, I'm so convinced. I'm so convinced that the Saints are going to win big that I think I might be just flat out wrong. And then last night, unprompted, I had a dream. And I oh. can't tell you a, a oh lot my about God. this because it's very blurry. But I'm, but I'm not kidding you. I had a dream last night that the Vikings win this game and very hazy in the dream, Dan Bailey, I think, kicks the winning field goal at the end. Wow. wow. And I'm not kidding. And, and and I will say, I will say that there is precedent for this because years and years and years ago, the Gophers played a game against Iowa at the Metrodome where they were given no chance to win. And I had a dream the week of that game that they won. And sure enough, they <laughs> won. So I'm not dismissing my wow. dream. Dan Bailey and is we your should. hero. We and wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if Dan Bailey, that poor man who was tortured in training camp by the mental gymnastics of his head coach and everybody else, wins a playoff game against the Saints? And then the camera pans to Corey Vedvik, who is in attendance in the stands, and a single tear rolls down his eye, his eye or his cheek. Just, wow, I'm so proud of you for beating me out in a preseason game that did not matter whatsoever that Vedvik shanked some field goals. Yeah, no, that would be that would be really wild if that ended up being the case, that the Vikings actually got another. Imagine if it was two straight of the biggest field goals ever actually went in for this franchise, one by Kai Forbath and then by Dan Bailey. It's just one of those feelings that you have when you're going to a place like that and a game like this with two teams that, on paper, I think are pretty close. I really don't understand it, Judd. The the people who said, "Oh, because you lost the Packers game, you're a disaster, and and you, you'll never win," and on and on. How many seasons? And I know people will say, "Well, they have Tom Brady," but how many seasons have we gone into where the Patriots lose a game? Or how about the Patriots just this year? Like, I'm sure no one believes that they can make the Super Bowl because they lost to Miami but they sure as hell can. And how about the year that they lost to the Jets where they got killed and then they came back, or maybe, no, that was actually the Jets. The Jets got killed by the Patriots, came back and beat them in the championship game. This stuff happens all the time. The regular season is small samples. It's weird. Stuff happens. You get injuries. You get bad luck. You get out-schemed or poor matchup with some team. That does not mean that you can't win. I wouldn't pick them either, but my pick is going to be close. I'm going to pick 34-31 or something like that. Spoiler alert for everybody for Friday. But I'm picking a close game here. I'm not picking a blowout. I, I think that the, the Vikings will cover for all the gamblers out there and that it's going to be weird. So, okay. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, too, if the Vikings get blown out, so let's say they get completely drilled, that basically is insinuating that they – no showed the game because they're not that bad a team. No, they're and definitely find, not a bad team. And I find, and I find it, and the more I think about this, I find it very hard to believe that, that with all of the adversity that we think is currently going on with that team, that they would no show a playoff game. Um, and if they're going to show up and play hard, then odds are very good. It's going to be close. And uh, you know, the, the only X factor that we can't know is, is there the potential for a complete Kirk meltdown? Yeah. Yep. You know, I, I just can't answer that question. I don't know. But if Kirk doesn't melt down and Kirk plays well and the Vikings defense, which and by the way, just quickly to your point, and I've been saying this for like two weeks now, the cornerbacks are not what they once were. OK, we all know that we've all seen it. The cornerbacks used to be great. They're not now. But this notion, the whole defense sucks. 
I don't know where it's coming from. No, I don't either. They're fifth in points. The, how about uh, Anthony Harris was named to Pro Football Focus's all-pro team uh, because he was either number one or number two ranked safety by their grades. Harrison Smith might end up in Canton someday. Eric Kendricks, though, as we'll see on his status. He didn't practice on Wednesday. But if Kendricks plays, he's he's been one of the best linebackers in the league. And then Hunter and Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph. Joseph dominated the last matchup last year. He had one of his best games. And I wouldn't be surprised if he could do that again against some of the interior uh, offensive linemen for the New Orleans Saints. I guess I just... I'm a little bit taken aback by even the Vegas line. You should get three just for being home. I get that. But I don't see these teams as being so super different where one team is so stacked and the other team isn't. Uh, at the quarterback position, it is definitely a mismatch. But it's not like Cousins. The bigger sample of him for this season was a garbage fire. You're not going in there with Mark Sanchez. Like You're going in there with a guy who has shown that he's capable any week of throwing for 300 yards, hitting big plays down the field. And if you hit one or two, I mean, you're in a game even if he doesn't play that well for the rest of the game. So, I, you know, I'm not going to say that I would pick a away team in any circumstance going to New Orleans. But for the people who just gave up on the season after Green Bay, I really do not understand that. And it's also Green Bay, too, has one particular player in Zadarius Smith who is impossible for you to stop. And I don't think that anybody else that they're going to face outside of uh, Green Bay, they all have good players, and but but I don't think that they have quite that level of uniqueness where the guy just rushes over the center on one play and runs right through Garrett Bradbury. It's just different. So they do they have a chance in this game? Of course they do. Do they have a path to winning? Of course they do. And, it, and I don't think that you should not watch the game or talk about this as if the season is over and everybody's just, fired. Well, and, and look, the Green Bay game, I do not think, in retrospect, that they were probably properly prepared for that game, okay? So that was disappointing. I get that. But to say that they are again now for a playoff game against the Saints after that Packers game are going to be like, oh, you know what, we're dead, is absolutely not true. Right. So if, if you could do the Packer game again, would, would the game plan and the scheming be different? My guess is absolutely yes, it would be. Um, and, and hopefully if you did that game again, Kirk has a far better performance than Kirk did. But all of that being said, Part of this conversation, then, if they're going to be terrible again, is to no-show in the Superdome. I don't think that happens. I think they're going to be prepared. I think they probably will lose. They might lose. But all of that being said, I also don't think that this is going – I don't think it's going to be 51-10, to 10, and that's how I feel like this is going. Yep, as and far as fans, feel free to send the audio to Old Takes Exposed if uh, we ended up being wrong, so we will see. All right, we've got a couple more days of lead-up. Alex Boone will be on the show on Thursday, and then Myron Metcalf on Friday, and we get to, to count it down, and then I fly out to New Orleans, and then we'll see what happens from there. So uh, thank you, Judd, for popping on on New Year's Day. Hopefully the rest of the day goes as well for you as earlier when you got a lot of heavy lifting. I'm very, I'm very tired. I'm yeah, very, well, very yeah, you should be. You should be. Uh, all right. Well, and thank you for everybody for listening to this podcast only version of Purple Daily. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar. 
or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.